Welcome to the Italian Football Podcast with John Solano, Carlo Garganese and Nima Tuvali. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese, joined as always by Nima Savali. So, there we have it. The last Serie A match day before the World Cup break is done. Another thrilling weekend of action. Three huge matches. Atalanta versus Inter, Milan-Fiorentina, Juventus-Lazio and also a record-breaking Napoli. Uh, lots and lots to talk about today. Um, for all our first-time listeners, though, uh, this is uh, this is our weekly episode, which we do every Monday, reviewing the weekend Serie A action and all of the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all of our content throughout the week, including uh, a weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday, where we answer all the questions sent in from our patrons, plus the weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction, and much, much more, then go to patreon.com slash TIFP, and you can become a subscriber for just $2.99 a month plus VAT. That's patreon.com slash TIFP. Okay, let's get straight into all the weekend action right now. Okay, we'll start off with the Serie A leaders, Napoli, who finished the year with yet another win. 11 wins in a row now. They beat Udinese 3-2, a lot closer in the end than it it, it seemed like it was going to be. They they raced into a a three-goal lead and it, it seemed like it was all over, but Udinese made it a little bit of a nervy finish with two quick-fire goals with, with around 10 minutes or or so to go. Um, but no, yeah, Napoli, they, they, they just keep on going. Um, they now have the all-time record, um, Serie A record uh, in, in their sights, which was uh, Inter's 17-match winning run under Roberto Mancini. Uh, Napoli are, are only six away now from that. And they're now eight points clear, or still eight points clear over Milan. Uh, it could have been more, actually. Um, and they just they just keep going. Uh, Victor Osimhen, sensational, sensational again. Uh, headed home the opener. Uh, wonderful backhill for a brilliant team move for for Zielinski's goal. Uh, third goal from Elmas, who's who's come in fantastically on the left wing in the in the absence of Kvaratskhelia. They won their last three games without Kvaratskhelia. Um, what a position. Napoli find themselves in Nima with um, with the with the World Cup break now here. Oh, it's unbelievable! I mean, it's a new club record: eleven Serie A wins in a row. Um, that puts them, if I'm not, I mean, the, the, obviously Inter seventeen, Mancini, then Juventus on fifteen. Uh, oh, actually, no, Napoli have thirteen consecutive wins um, over over seasons. Uh, in 2016-17 over to 2017-18 they have they've won 13 games in a row but in one season 11 wins in a row is, is a new record um, but yeah regardless it's it's astonishing um, but I wonder how much longer they can go because they I mean first of all it's the break but then you also have 
uh, Inter immediately afterwards, and they play Juve and Roma uh, and all that. But we're going to get to all that as well. But no, it's it is an astonishing record. I mean, you when you win eleven win eleven games in a row, um, and you're top of the Serie A eight points clear. You win your Champions League group by mopping the floor with Liverpool. Um, it's you're a good side. You really are a good side, and I think the re- one of the main reasons for that is is also because he has players who individually are outstanding, but also work perfectly in the system, such as Victor Osman. Is <laughs> he is without a doubt the best number nine in the Serie A right now, isn't he? I mean, we've said it. I've, I know I've said it that I think he's his talent is is talents wise he's the best in, in the Serie A for a few seasons, but now he's also starting to play like it. Another sensational game. Um, and the goals they score, they can score in so many different ways. Um, whether it's, you know, the individual brilliance, Elmas, of course, the the, the, the squad player scoring one of the most brilliant goals uh, of the season. Uh, Zielinski's second goal. And, um, you know, Ossiman, he's just a constant pain in the neck of, of every defender. Um, who who he goes up against? It's um, now nah, it's 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 so impressive. But then we have to say that Udinese weren't very good, even though they scored twice, uh, making it a bit of a more of a contest. But I, I was not impressed by Udinese, who I think are kind of regressing to the mean. Yeah, we said that we've said a lot about Ossiman. I mean, top scorer in Serie A um, this season. Uh, um, but you know, I do want to single out Zielinski because his second goal was absolutely brilliant. I mean, that's barely even a quarter chance, and he just cuts inside, whips around a curler into the top corner. His numbers this season are amazing. He has the the same number of goal contributions, thirteen, already this season. We're in the middle of November that he had for the entirety of last season. Six goals, seven assists. Uh, he's he's because everybody speaks about Lobotka and Anguissa and their explosion and how they've just the way that they've developed over the last year or so. But Zielinski is is probably out of the three in midfield. Isn't spoken about so much because he's kind of been there at Napoli for for quite a while and he's almost taken taken for granted, isn't he? But even he has moved on to a to an even higher level. And I've never seen Zielinski play as well or as consistently well as he has this season. And some of the some of the things that he's doing, like that goal, that second goal against against uh Udinese, I mean that's just top class world class. I mean that's a world yeah, that's class. World goal. class. I was world gonna class. say that's world class. I mean, can't we say that of so many of of exactly what you just said, copy paste when you're talking about Anguissa, when you're talking about Lobotka, when you're talking about Elmas, when you're talking I mean y- you can go on and on and on and on. Yeah. Even Juan Jesus is playing better than he's ever done in his career. Mm. Uh, no, for sure. I mean, I mean if you're picking if you're picking the Serie A team this season and we're gonna have an episode um um Come in um, specifically where we are going to do our, um, our let's say mid-season awards. I know it's fifteen games. We're still, we're still three, four games short of the mid-season, but you know it's the mid-season break now. Um, we are going to do that. I mean, you could all you could do you could quite easily pick an entire Napoli team, pretty yeah. much. I mean, that that's how good if almost every single outfield player has been that good. That you could, you, I mean, even the goalkeeper's been been pretty good except for the odd one or two games where he was shaky. Um, you know, so I mean, they've all been brilliant, and, and the players that have come in. I mean, Kvaratsky has been out for the last three games, and Elmas. I mean, who would have thought? And, and this is where Spalletti, as well, the coach, everything that he has touched Spalletti, has turned to Spalletti, gold Spalletti. this season. I mean, who would have thought to replace Kvaratsky 
a, a, a winger who stays very, very wide and replace him with Elmas, who is more of an attacking midfielder, more of a central attacking midfielder naturally, I would say, and plays him in the left as a left winger, uh, more of an inverted left winger who comes in and cuts in. Yeah. But nevertheless, who would have thought, you know, of all the players, you'd have thought, well, maybe you play Raspadori there. Maybe yeah. you, you know, do you know what I mean? And and yeah. he plays, he plays Elmas there. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Or even me move... Um, Lozano over to the other side, yeah. but you know he plays Elmas there, and he was he he, he scored, didn't he? The, the winner against Atalanta, um, yeah. which is crucial. And then again in this game, he was you know brilliant again. He got a, a, the goal, the the assist for the first goal with a brilliant cross for Rossi men, uh, and then he scored he scored another goal, the third goal here as well. And again, it's just another example of Spalletti's record of not only rehabilitate, rehabilitating players. Um, but also reinventing players, and you know there was an interview that was that went about last week. I think it was Borja Valero, former Inter player, who said that Spalletti was the first person to 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 make Cancelo into a left back uh, at Inter, and, and Cancelo yeah. refused to play there. And now we see Cancelo becoming one of the best left backs in the world um, yeah. at uh, at Manchester City under Pep Guardiola. But it was Spalletti was the first person to see that he could invent him, reinvent. Cancelo into a into a left back. So again, it's just another example of Spalletti and what an incredible job that he's doing. That everything that he's doing is is working, is working out this season. Yeah, and 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 again, it's it's he is one of the most criminally underrated and disrespected managers, together with Maurizio Sarri. I I think even so more Spalletti because I don't think he gets to deserve he gets the recognition he deserves for the number of players that he's reinvented and rehabilitated. Um and, and how he develops players. I don't think he gets that gets that um is gets the recognition he deserves and I'm so happy for him. Um but I mean, you know, if if we're gonna be a little bit negative, Kim Min Jae was not good in this game. He had a I mean he caused yeah. one goal. Um you know, it's it's you could say that you know, Spalletti did say that I was a wake up call, we need to stay humble, and I think that's his job from now on. I think he's got the play the, the group behind him, they listen to him, they adapt to him tactically, all of that. He's got complete faith from of the squad in him. That that in yeah. terms of that, and they've also but had a lot of what experience. What he needs to do, hang on. What he needs to do, what he needs to do is to he has to be able to handle the expectation and to keep these players on the ground. That's his job now, from now until the end of the season. Keep them grounded, keep them focused, so they don't think that they're already champions. Yeah, no, for sure, that is going to be the tricky thing. But they have had a lot of lessons this this season, um, and I think they will have learned from from a lot of tricky experiences you know where they've gone behind in games they prove that they can come behind in games they've had uh, times where they've been ahead and then the teams have pegged them back uh, and then they've still gone on to win the game they've had games where like this game where they were three up and then all of a sudden two quick fire goals with 10 minutes to go could they possibly collapse in this game they saw it out you know um they've had their first loss of the season against liverpool they come back and they've won every game since since losing to liverpool you know, they've had uh, one of their first choice centre-backs out for, you know, what, a month now or so, Rahmani. They've coped without him, despite probably the depth at centre-back or the depth in defence being the weakest area of the pitch. You know, they, they, they've had Kvaratskhelia out for three games. They've proved themselves there. So, they, they you know, they, they keep answering. They had Ossiman out for so long. They've proved themselves without Ossiman. You know, it's, it's, they've had a lot of experience, difficult experiences that they've come through. And I think that will definitely um, serve them well as well. 
Um, what I do want to ask, though, is De Laurentiis, Aurelio De Laurentiis, the Napoli president, uh, he tweeted after the, after the game that this is Napoli's best team ever under him. Best team since he brought the club in, was it 2004, when he brought them, when they were so. uh, in bank- yeah, when they they were were bankrupt? In bank- yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he brought them up through the divisions and back to, and he says this is the greatest ever Napoli team. Now, is, let's, 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 let's have a look then. So I've picked out a few teams, a few great Napoli teams from the past. Um, so I'll start with 2011-2012. So this was the team that nearly knocked out the eventual winners of the Champions League, Chelsea, um, in, the, in the last 16 of the Champions League. They beat them 3-1 in, in Naples. It should have been more. I remember Ashley Cole clearing a, a shot off the line to make it 4-1. Um, which would have um, probably ended the tie. And in the second leg, it went to extra time. Uh, I, I was at that game, actually, at Stamford Bridge. And they had chances in that game to see it off. And, and then Chelsea won, I think, 4-1 after extra time. They won it in extra time. Um, Raul Mirelish so, scored a wonder goal. That's right, yeah, with a with crazy mohawk hair, hairstyle, yeah. yeah. Um, so Cavani scored 33 goals in all comps that season. They had Cavani and Lovetsy, which was an incredible... Partner strike partnership, then they both went to PSG. He had Inla, Hamsik in midfield. Maggio was Italy's right back, had a great Euros that year season. Uh, Zuniga, Gargano, they had a great team. But they only came, they only finished fifth in, in Serie A. So while they had a lot of great talent and they were an exciting team, and they also had Matsari as coach, um, you know, I don't think we can put, agree, we can't put that above that, above the, this Napoli team, I don't think. Um, then we've got 2017, 2018. They finished. <clears throat> sorry, let me let me let me rewind a bit. 2015, 2016 first. Um, this was the season Higuain's last season. This is when Higuain scored the 36 goals. I think it was that season. Um, Napoli led the league for much of that season. Then they fell away at the end, the last few months of the season, after they lost a game to Juventus when Simone Zaza scored in the 88th minute. And then after that, Napoli fell away and Juventus clawed it back. They were miles behind at the start of that season. They had a really bad start to the season, Juventus. Um, now, that Napoli team was a really great team. They had Reiner in goal, Hisai, Albiol, Koulibaly, Gulam, before he, before his injury, Gulam, when he was really a great left-back. Jorginho, Alan, and Hamsik, which was a fantastic central midfield. And then Calayon, Higuain, and Insigne up front with um, with Mertens as the, the player that could come in. So they had that team, um, and they eventually finished second. Then the next season, which was a pretty much similar team, but Mertens became a false nine and he replaced Higuain. He went to Juventus. And that season, they finished five points off the top of the table that season to Juventus. And then the 2017-2018 season, when they also finished finished second again, and they set a club record of 91 points. They beat Juventus, remember, 1-0 in Turin, that famous Koulibaly late header that looked like it was going to take Napoli to the title. And then they lost that game to Fiorentina 3-0, the same weekend that Juventus turned it around against Inter uh, with two late goals by Higuain or, or a late goal by Higuain. Um, and that cost them the title. I mean, that was a great team. And they, they were all kind of similar teams to the one I, I read out from 2015-16. So is this Napoli team better than all of those teams? Um, I, I think... As a team collectively, I think this team is better than than all of those other teams. But I don't think in, I think individually there are players in the Cavani, for example, Cavani, Higuain, Jorginho, uh, Hamšík, Lavezzi, who are better 
uh, who 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 up until now are better than 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 the, the, this Napoli team. But I think as a team, if we're looking at this as a as as a, as a collective unit and what players are in this unit and how well their how well their traits are adapted to the kind of football the manager wants to play, I think De Laurentiis is right. I think this is the best team in every essence mm. of the word that Napoli have ever had. Um, but I think individually, Jorginho, Higuain, Cavani, Lavezzi, Hamsik, when they were at their best, yeah. they were well. More, more, indi- more individual difference makers in the mm. in the, some of those past teams, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, individ- team, like the yeah. ceiling, the ceiling of the, those players when they were at their best was absolute world class. Like mm. every single one of those that I mentioned, I don't yeah. think we're there yet. Although, you know, there's no doubt. Like we said, every single one of them was. Um, you could argue that at least six, seven players in, in Napoli have been, if not world class, then world class adjacent. So um, it's. But I yeah. do think, as a unit, as a team, I think this is his his masterpiece. This is his Mona Lisa, um, and and I think he knows it. Yeah, I think also this team. There's there's definitely more depth in this team definitely more depth in this squad than those past teams. Uh, I mean, if you take the 2011-2012, I mean, I remember some of the players that they would have in that team like on the bench, just 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 way off, way off the level needed. You know, players like, I remember like Salvatore Aronica, it was an absolute animal. Uh, you know, <laughs> players of that kind of level that would, would come, Paolo Cannavaro was, was I think, yeah. even starting. You know, they He's had weaknesses. Yeah, they had clear weak links in the team. And, and you know, even oh, like they had Mazzari on the bench. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, 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 and even like that Lazzari's team. I mean, I remember like they used to have so many small players, and they weren't very good at set pieces. They was just so many short players in their team. Um, I mean, they had obviously Koulibaly, Albiol that were great in the air. But apart from that, you know, they, I mean, after Higuain left, they had three really tiny forwards. Uh, and when you had Jorginho and Alan, two tiny guys in in midfield. You know, you're already, and then Mario Rui after Goulam's injury, you're looking at half six over half your team are players that are never going to win a header. <laughs> so, you know, you mm. had, you had, there were weaknesses. Whereas this team, you look at this Napoli team and you think, where are the weaknesses in this team? It's, it's not obvious, is it? It's not, no, uh, it's, there's no obvious, I mean, there are weak, every team has weaknesses, but there's no obvious weaknesses, not that we've seen so far anyway. Maybe I think defensively, I think defensively there are questions still to ask. Um, and and yeah. I think their weakest link would be... But is that Nere. because they play so attacking football though? Is that because they're... Well, ex- they that's exactly my... Yeah. That's precisely it. Because of the fact that the way they play, they will expose themselves more. Um, mm. I think Merit has been good. Uh, so far, but I do still think that he is their weakest link. That doesn't mean that he is yeah. a weakness as such, but he is their weakest link. No doubt about that. I mean, yeah. they, had they had him brought, had they brought in Kaylor Navas, they wouldn't have had any weaknesses at all. I think. But I mean, they decided. Yeah. I, I kind of again, I, I, I said it in our review, Mercato review earlier in the season. I understand why they went after went with Meret because it was now or never with Meret. Either you give him a chance or you don't. It's a bit of a risk and gamble, but so far it's paid off, so you can't really say anything. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's move on from, from Napoli. Um, as I said, eight points clear at the top of the table um, from from Milan, but it very, very nearly was 10 points because it took another injury-time goal, uh, the second the second weekend in a row for, for Milan to, to score deep into injury time. A very fortuitous goal, let's be honest, uh, Shocker once again from Terraciano in goal and Milenkovic not too much better. Milenkovic got the own goal 
Um, so that but, Milan won two one. Um, Terracciano, Milan, this is the second time yeah. in a row at the San Siro, the second season in a row where he gifts Milan a goal. I mean, yeah. he did the same thing when he assisted Rafael Leao a couple of months ago when 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 the game was a goal when, when it was scoreless. Um, he assisted him. He hits the ball out, passes him to him, and, he, and Leao scores. And then whatever the hell he was doing yesterday, it was shocking. It was genuinely shocking. I, I've, I don't understand what he's doing. I really don't. And I don't understand how he dare complain that he wanted a free kick for it. Yeah, no, no, that was, I think that was just desperation. Uh, that was desperation. But I mean, Milan Milan did get a little bit lucky though, didn't they? Let's be honest in this game. Yeah. Because I thought after, I mean, if you take away that that the goal that Milan scored, uh, the the goal from Rafael Leal, Fiorentina were totally dominated the first half. I mean, they, they, Milan couldn't even get out of their half for long periods of, yeah. of that first half. And Fiorentina did everything that that that, that Itali- Vincenzo Italiano teams do so well, and, w- and which is why, you know, I really want to see Italiano at a bigger club because the way that he presses teams and doesn't let them out and the way that he, he gets his teams keeping the ball and even teams, you know, a team at the level of Fiorentina who are, I... I think have got lots and lots of weaknesses. Um, you know, uh, I, I think it, it was just incredible what they were doing. Obviously, they're playing with confidence. They've been on a good run. They've won five in a row. Um, but you know, I, I, I thought Milan was so was so off it. They did improve in the second half. They created chances, but ultimately, very lucky, to, very lucky to win this game. And, and I'm sorry, but and I can't believe not more people are talking about. It. I thought that the the, the Tamori foul on Ikoni. Was was almost scandalous that, that wasn't given us a penalty. I mean, for me, it's absolute stonewall penalty. Um, yeah. He he got the player first. Watch it. Yeah, he took he the player's knee out. He takes the player's yeah. knee out, then got the ball after taking the player the player's the player's knee out. I mean, for me, it's absolutely there's an angle penalty. where they show that they they show there's an angle where they show that from from the from from like from from the front, and you see that you see that at the very least it's simultaneous, which makes it a foul. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, 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 I find that. it. I find it hilarious that there's been all these debates, and let's not get into it. What we think we, we had our own debate about this about a penalty when the the the, the player or the goalkeeper, as, as has been the case recently, takes the ball first, then takes not out the man the afterwards. There's been all this debate over that, and I'm thinking for cry, crying out loud. You take the surely when you take the man first and then take the ball afterwards. There's not even a debate there. There no, shouldn't I even be understand. a debate. Do you know what I, I mean? At no, least I, you I can debate over taking the ball and then the man because it's, there's a, there's a little bit of nuance to it. As me and you had our yeah. debate about, there's some yeah. nuance to that. There's surely yeah. no nuance here. You take the man out, then take the ball. It's a no. penalty. Surely. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's. I don't. There's nothing much to say, and and I don't understand uh, why they do. Because I mean, the the angle that the city has official YouTube channel is the one that's from behind the players, which doesn't show. Which is, to me is just like, did they not have the the, so is the that, angle? So you're saying that's the reason why this wasn't given because they didn't see the the one that we saw on TV. The yeah. one on TV was yeah. clear. You got yeah. yeah. I mean that 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 that's the only thing I think could be the reason because the one that you saw on TV from from the front is is this not even it's not even a debate, uh, yeah. which again is 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 again comes back to this notion of lack of transparency and coherence of the VAR uh, and the images they use and everything about them. 
Well, um, sorry, I'm sorry. Seriously, what the hell is going on with the images they use? Can, I mean, this is a getting a joke. I don't know. I don't they, know. I honestly they didn't don't have know. that image, like the, with Juventus Salernitana. Yeah, I mean, oh if you haven't God. even got, if you haven't even got the images, what the hell is going on? Can someone tell yeah. me of all this? All this money has been that's, that's put. I don't Spend. know what the contract is. Who's got the contract? How much money they're paid? I don't know. But it, this is a joke. I mean. It really is. No, it's it is it is it really is, and and it's it's down to it's again the VAR and and again how these institutions are run because if if the if I mean I think um like think you know um, that they do have access to these images um, now, but I the the fact that they showed it on their YouTube uh, channel in their highlights package suggests to me that they didn't have the one that we all saw. Which is a joke. It's it's a joke. It's a simple yeah, thing but, to be a joke. So you're saying on the on their official highlights they didn't show that the, the No, the, if you go and look, if you go and look on YouTube because I watched the their highlights to see what their one is because that was a huge talking point. Mm. I, I would say that's also deliberate. I, I'm yeah, gonna say I'm very, very I'm saying it's very, very suspicious. I'm saying it's deli- they deliberately cut that out of the of the of the YouTube highlights in order to in But the, but the images is that but the images are out there. The images are out there. I know, I know. I'm just saying when they when when yeah. this official Serie A YouTube account does the highlights of the match, they will they will leave out. They will deliberately try to leave out controversy. If there's a, if there's a camera angle yeah. that, that shows that they they've got a decision horribly wrong, they'll leave it out. Well, usually yeah. they just don't approach. They just don't touch that subject. They yeah. just pretend like yeah. it's raining. But it is yeah. what it is. But I, I, my my point is simply. I mean, again, the, it, it's a weird decision. It's a strange decision. Mm-hmm. And. Um, yeah. It's the wrong. Decision. It keeps Milan. It keeps Milan in the title race. It, it really does. But um, but yeah, I think the I think the break has come at the right time for Milan. Um, but we've got to say that they're, they're Tomori had a Tomori had a goal line save that was yeah, that was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So he did have a good game. He was a, he was lucky. He wasn't that he didn't concede a penalty, but he had a fantastic game. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought Serginio Dest was good when he came on as well. Yeah, he actually had a good good substitution. Showed a bit of we energy, had... yeah. Because Milan yeah, looked tired, they looked flat. Did Giroud? Giroud was like a walking mummy for for most <laughs> most of that game. Although he did have another lovely acrobatic. He suddenly the, yeah. the mummy awoke right at the end with this yeah. incredible bicycle kick that, that went just wide just before they got the winner. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think but I Leao's think miss. On. Leao's miss. We have to. I mean, what was? That's a shocking miss. I thought. Mm. I thought he had put these kinds of misses behind him. Uh, yeah. Because that's the kind of thing he used to do before last season when he had this like you know salto di quali- salto salto di qualità the the the, 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 the raising raising the level of quality that he's taken the step yeah. but but that was shocking absolutely shocking yeah yeah no I was I, my my dad just well, I was watching it with my dad actually and when he did that because he had a bet on Milan winning he just went berserk he goes who is this donkey you know like, and okay well he was Serie A player of the year last season. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's let's move on to Juventus Lazio. So, Juventus make it six wins in a row. Uh, two nil. Sorry, correction. Three nil win over over Lazio. Probably Juventus's most uh, emphatic performance of the season. Um, I, I would say. So uh, Allegri was uh, was a dead man walking. Uh, just just couple of weeks ago really um what has what has changed for for Allegri Nima I think it's it's a number of things um first of all he's playing with the same structure and the same lineup 
um, and this and, and he's got the balance right. The three five two with uh, with, with Kostic on that left wing, um, a strong central line. Fajoli's been an absolute revelation. Um, Rabio, I think, is the symbol of this Allegri two point uh, Juve. Um, and everyone is everything has just clicked. It's all come together, um, and everyone is taking responsibilities when the big names haven't been there. When the Di Marias, the Vlaoviches, the Pogbas, all these Paredes, etc., when they're not there, the everyone else is taking responsibility, and um, and it's uh, it's all just come together, um, and it's it's so impressive. They it feel like it feels like that you could have played that game for 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 four hours and Lazio would never have scored a goal. Yes, Lazio were without Zaccagni, were without uh, Ciro Immobile, and so on. But still, they were they're a good side, and Juve just dismissed them, just brushed them off. This looked like this had the this air, this this ruthless Allegri Juve air about them. Um, that when he when his teams just go in there and win. Um, and just uh, ruthlessly win, um, and don't, and just dominate uh, teams by by the ruthlessness, and just break teams mentally. I think the first goal was, of course, a howler by Providel. But uh, but yeah, I mean, when Moise Ken looks happy as well, he looks in in uh, he looks like he's. Uh, He's really coming to his own. Scored scored three goals now, and or four goals so far this season. Uh, he scored again, tw- you know, scored a brace. But no, it, it's all coming together. And I mean, as I said, I mean, I, I, I've said consistently that if Juve, if Juve are out of the top four when the World Cup break comes, then I think Allegri will resign. Well, they're not out of the top four. They're com- they're comfortably in third, a point ahead of Inter, two points behind Milan. They're very much in the top four race. And I think the top four race is becoming the top four that you know we all predicted would would be there. It would it's it's Napoli, Inter, Milan, Juve, um, and and that's where they are. Uh, and I think Kostic, above all, the fact that they're getting as much out of him as as, as they can by playing him as as a wing back, just shows everything. Um, he can he can he's been he's been their he's he's been their most most impressive player I think during all of these yeah. six wins. Yeah, um, yeah. A, f- a few things to say here. I mean, f- first of all, uh, I agree with you. I think that the, the top four is now kind of developing a little bit into the top four that we we would expect it to be before the start of the season. No, we all said it. As um, I just said, it, we, all, we all tipped it yeah. to be that top four. Yeah. Uh, there, there are obviously big positives from this game. First of all, Juventus created, conceded virtually nothing in this game. Uh, and they, they created... I wouldn't say they created loads and loads of chances, but they created enough big chances to win the game by, you know, they probably deserved to win this game by a couple of goals. Maybe not 3-0. That was maybe a little bit harsh, as Sadi said himself. But I think Juventus were two goals better than Lazio and they didn't concede anything at all. Uh, the positives uh, also are, from a from an individual point of view, that uh, Moisa Kane five goals in five games. I think he spoke after the game how he's been on a strict diet, lost a lot of weight. Um, you know, Nedved's prediction of him scoring 25 to 30 goals a season might not be as crazy as it once sounded. But uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm still not sure about him, to be honest. But I mean, he's on good form. I thought Kostic, Kostic was great, like you said. Uh, everything that, that Kostic does has substance. And that's what I like about him. He is one, di- he's a one-dimensional player. There's no doubt about it. You know, he, he, he runs in straight lines. But he's 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 direct. He gets the ball. 
He puts a cross in. He delivers well. And he's concrete. That, he's a concrete. He's concrete. Player. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. That's exactly what yeah. I mean. Everything that he does has he does it with a view to having an end product. With it. he's quite a minimalist player, to be honest. But yeah. it's all it's all with a view to to getting an end result, an end product. And you know, the same with that gut with that shot. He just smashed that in. Okay, Provadel made an error, but you know he hit it in with such pace that that is likely. Sometimes they, those kind of things happen. You know, um, so. You know, Juventus have put themselves in a position now where you know they 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 can get Chiesa, Di Maria, and Pogba back in the new year and fully fit. Then, then all of a sudden, you know, they should get the top four. They always should get the top four. I don't want people. No, no, to they will finish start in saying, the top four. I don't want people to start. Yeah, what what I would say about this is this, right? Um, yes, you know, it's good. They won six games in a row. Uh, I think they're definitely fighting for each other now. They're, they're playing for each other. There was all lots of question marks about had he lost the dressing room uh, and everything. And maybe, you know, maybe there was a lot of people doubting him. But now they are playing for each other right now. It's not good football. It's not the kind of football that I like seeing. It's counter-attacking football. Uh, you know, Lazio had, I think, 61% of possession in the first half. You know, I don't like to see that football. I don't think it's sustainable at a high level. You know, if we're talking Champions League, that... As you say, you, you tweeted it yesterday. I have high standards, and I don't think it's befitting <laughs> of a big club to play that way, uh, and you know to compete at the Champions League. Um, but you know, it's a start. They now need to maintain it. They have to maintain it now. You know, it's, it's a good. They've gone on a good run of form. But let's not, you know, get all these prison of the moments and these Allegri disciples are all of a sudden saying that. Everybody that's been criticising Allegri, and that includes yourself, Nima, not just me, um, are all of a sudden... I have been criticising Allegri, yeah. but you've been but, saying that he's finished and he's a dinosaur. I've never said that. Yes. There's well, I have. Well, I, yeah, but I stand by that. At the top, highest level, I, I say he's finished. But, mm. you know, people are using this this six-game winning run as a, as a kind of... Um, to, to make a point that everybody that's been doubtful and criticised criticised Allegri are all of a sudden wrong. Well, they haven't. All they've done is they've just gone on a good run of form. They haven't achieved oh, anything. The league table you know, doesn't lie, so, does it? I mean, it it doesn't lie. And if you look exactly, at the, exactly, that's uh, what I mean. Exactly, that's the that's the whole point. You know, they're, they're ten points off Napoli, and if you're if you're assessing the season as a whole, it's been an incredibly negative season so far for many reasons, from results to performances to injuries to finances, and only some of this is Allegri's fault. It's not all Allegri's fault, but let's not all suddenly paint like this Juve of suddenly, just because they've gone on a good run, that suddenly everything is okay, that everybody that criticised Allegri is wrong, um, everything that's happened this season is forgotten. The fact that Juventus had their worst season in history in the Champions League and took three points from a group, you know, all of a sudden, all of that is forgotten. It's been, a, it's no. so far, it's been an incredibly negative season. Yes, they're on a good run, great, fantastic. They have to continue. I, they're going to start I think Juve, I think Juve's season is very reminiscent of Inter so far. And 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 that is that they've they had they've had their crises and they've been at times absolutely dreadful, but they're still thirty thirty one points. Uh, they're in the top four. Inter had a f- great Champions League group stage. Juventus did not. Um, I'd, I'd say that's where the differences are between them. They're both in contention for top four. Uh, I still think that Scudetto run might be a little bit out of both of their hands, uh, but you never know because, as we said. Uh, you go into January, you inter host Napoli, two games uh, a couple of weeks, a week or so afterwards. Uh, you will play Napoli, and then Napoli play Roma. 
So, you know, it's, it's, it's going to, it's crunch time now. It's squeaky bum time. <laughs> and um, it's, uh, it's time for Napoli to show what their, what their metal is because the Scudetto's not won in, in November or January or, or anything like that. It's, it's won in, 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 in May, as, as Allegri no. likes to point out. So, no, you know, absolutely. But it was a good game. It was, for me, it was Juventus's best performance of the season. Oh, um, by I, far. I, I, I by can't, far. I can't, you know, even though I put a big butt in terms of the season as a whole, I can't really put that much of a butt on, on, on this, on this game. I thought Juventus, if we look at it, the hard, cold, hard facts, Juventus created plenty enough chances to win this game and they conceded nothing at all defensively. Um, whether you, whether you appreciate how they 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 brought that about uh, is another thing altogether. But the cold hard facts is that Juventus created lots and conceded nothing. And if they do that every game, you cannot you can't complain. That's what we're going to see. The, the, the difference is that if you watch Juventus, you know, in midweek they were awful and they won one nil against Verona. Uh, they were also, I, I say it again, lucky to beat Inter um, last week. You know. They were brilliant in the game against Empoli, but you know this during this six-game run, probably half of the games they've they've played well in and deserved to win, and the other half they've just been they've been a little bit fortunate, you know. So this game in particular, they 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 were they were deserved winners by you know they. La- no, it was they, a bad they, day for Lazio. It was a bad day for Lazio, you know. But they still have you know again if we look at the season as a whole, they're still in the top four. They've overachieved. Sarri's done an incredible job. Okay, Europa League aside, which was which was a, which was poor, which was bad. Um, but you know, th- even in this game, I thought their, their top players performed bad. I think SMS was taken out of the game completely. And um, Providell, who's who we praise so much in this pod, made two bad mistakes for both goals. He made Absolutely. mistakes, and absolutely and for two of the goals, especially the opening goal. He was it was it was just shocking what he was doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, Sergei Milinkovic Savic again against Juve, he always seems to disappear against, I mean, not always, but most games. Uh, he seems yeah. to disappear, and uh, especially against Allegri's Juve, he seems to really mm. struggle. Um, yeah. But you know, it's it's uh, it's look. I think Lazio, you know, I think fifth, sixth is where there should be, and I think that's where there will be at the end of the season. Mm. I think the top four are are head and shoulders above everyone else, and then who finishes where among that top four? You can make an argument for for every single one. I think the difference now, fifteen games in to my preseason prediction is that I had Inter and Milan as even favourites to win the Scudetto and Napoli as the dark horse. No, I would revise that. I would say that Napoli are, by virtue of their the form and their results and how they've played, their favourites now to win. And I think that's something Napoli will just have to accept. And as I said previously, that's Paletti's biggest job now, to maintain concentration and not you know fly off into space. Okay, let's move on to uh, Atalanta against Inter. Uh, a, a massive win for, for Inter. Oh, uh, yes. The result a thrilling fantastic. game. Another, another thrilling game. Um, Edin Dzeko scores again. Uh, I'm sorry, but he gets way too much criticism. I mean, no, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't. It, it, he doesn't. Not if you listen to the criticism. It, I mean, it depends on who's, what the criticism is. The criticism I aim at him is he plays in slow motion. That's an objective fact. And it's not his fault. He's thirty-seven. He is slow. He he can't link up. It's although his link up with Lautaro, it only took them eighteen months to to fix that. But you know, great, they did. What he is is a player who once was world class, and he still 
knows how to sniff. He can read the game and knows how to sniff sniff chances uh, and where goals are. But he still misses sitters. He his linker play still leaves a lot to desire, and he's too slow. Again, it's not his fault that he's the starting number nine at Inter, and I'm as an Inter fan eternally grateful to him for everything he's done. I think he's been for in terms of pound for pound how much Inter have invested in him, he's been a fantastic signing. He's been a complete success. But mm. it can't we can't discard the fact that he shouldn't be starting and that the mistakes he makes is is because he's no longer his body can't play at the speed required uh, and at this level. That's the only thing I'm yeah. saying, and of course the sitting missing of sitters, which is an illness he doesn't. Well, I, I think listen, at the moment developed that Roma. He's on course to score 25 goals this season. So I yeah, mean, but he was. This I we've just, seen this last season I mean, as well. He was how many goals did he score before this? Before the before Christmas break, and then he completely collapsed uh, in the second yeah. half of the season. So you know, it is what it is. Again, this is he. He's been fantastic for Inter, and and above all, what I want to praise him for is his leadership off the pitch, the way that he's, he elevates everyone else, the way that he leads this team. He's one of those kind of le- silent, non-official leaders. He's 100% committed to the cause. He gives everything he has and then some. He leads by example. He's the first to track back and help out in defense. Look, the attitude and commitment and professionalism is not up to debate. And even and Marotta today just literally highlighted those facts, calling him a, a model professional. And 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 I think that's why they'll probably extend his contract by a year, if he if he accepts to reduce his wages, which I think is great. If he because he if he as a backup as a backup player, then absolutely. But you know, it's uh, it's it's Inter have to address that striker position because Romelu Lukaku has been an unmitigated disaster so far. He's not played played less than DiBala. Um, Inter don't did not play well against Atalanta. It was dreadful, a horrid performance. But the most important thing is that they won. That's the only thing I take away from that game, uh, from an Inter perspective. And also, I, I don't think I don't I don't think they were they were awful. I don't they think were they awful. were amazing for twenty five minutes. They were absolutely unwatchable in the first half. But yeah. look, Andre Onana is is. I think a draw name. would have been a. I think a draw would have been a fair result. Um, to be fair, mm. I don't think Inter deserved to lose this game. Um, you know. So I, I I think again you've got high standards like me. That's great. That's the sign of a winner. <laughs> no, no. That's the sign no. of a winner. That's the sign of yeah. a winner. But I don't think they were awful. Objectively, as a neutral, I don't think they were. I don't think they were awful. No, I don't think they were good. Five minutes. I think I think they yeah part. they struggled. They struggled early on. But Atalanta. This is this is the difference between this Atalanta is they don't seem to be able to maintain uh, a high level for an entire game anymore. And they used to be able to do that when they were at their pomp under Gasparini two seasons ago. Well, look at the players they've ago. lost. They, they can look play well for 20, 20... You watch them for the first 20, 25 minutes against Inter and you think, gosh, this team, it can it can really, you know, it can, it can really compete. Um, yeah, but, but look at the players that they've lost. Look at the players that they've lost in these two, three, four years and, and you can see where that experience and quality has gone. I think what Atalanta are doing are fantastic. I think Gasparini has proven me wrong because I thought maybe that the that the magic had kind of gone sour and it was time for him to leave, but he's managed to, he's rebuilt it. It's it's Gasparini 2.0 at Atalanta and he's building from the back. Yeah. There's three and defeats in their last four. They're now out yeah. of the top four. They've lost three home games in a row, first time in 25 years. The yeah. defence, which we were praising for barely conceding at the start of the season, uh, and we said that were that defence was probably overachieving. They've now gone yeah. back, they're reverting to the meaning, but they've now gone back to being pretty shaky. Um, they've, they've got one clean... Sh- 
one clean sheet, I think in eight, if I've written if I've written this down right. Seven mm. goals conceded in 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 uh, in, in three games. Uh, so it's it's yeah, know, but that's and, and the thing though, I, back and he and he listen, is captain chaos. So yeah, but uh, listen, what I what I said all along when when both Udinese and Atalanta were riding high is that I think they're overachieving and I think we'll see them regress to the mean and that's what we're seeing now. I don't think it means that Gasparini is not doing a good job. I think he's getting absolutely maximum out of this squad in this moment in time. Um, I don't think you can ask more of, of Atalanta. I understand Atalanta fans are disappointed, and as a fan, you're always disappointed when you lose three games in a row. But objectively, if you look at this team and if you look at how young they are and where they are in their development and where they are as a whole in this project, this new Gasparini 2.0 project, Atalanta fans can't be disappointed. This is where they are. They're not better. Than, I mean, you can't ask more of this. Um, and, and I think they, we're seeing more you know, we're seeing everything kind of level down and we're seeing more an accurate reflection of the strength and balance of strength and balance of power in the Serie A. Mm, okay, we have to we have to move on. Um, Roma-Torino, uh, one all draw. But I mean, the big, I think the big talking point about this um, is, Mourinho. is uh, Mourinho. Mourinho is on a complete meltdown um, at the moment because he, he was sent <laughs> off against Torino in the closing stages before they, before they got the equaliser. Um, then he obviously we've had we've had this whole uh, Karsdorp uh, uh, controversy. He's called out Rick Karsdorp in public in midweek last week. Told him to find a new club. Uh, said that he betrayed. Uh, did a Ronaldo before Ronaldo, and said that he betrayed the he betrayed uh, him and and the and the club. Um, and then on, as a result of that, Torino he wasn't called up Karsdorp for the Torino game. Karsdorp has now left Rome. He did an Instagram post with with a crying emoji, uh, and um, he's he's basically looking for for a new club. He this comes uh, just after he slagged off Tammy Abraham in, in public, Mourinho, and then obviously the results are are now going against him now too. Uh, you know he's got three without a win in Serie A, one win in five. They they obviously lost that derby deservedly, really bad in the derby. Very, very close to losing three games at home in a row with no goals scored. Um, you know, obviously that was just avoided um, like on Sunday. And the goals have just dried up so much. I mean, we're now here at this midway stage with the break for the World Cup. They've scored 18 goals in 15 games this season. Uh, and six of the last nine games, they failed to score more than one goal in. And all of the forwards are performing really badly, to be honest with you, with the exception of Paolo Dybala, who mm. he, I mean, the, the the difference between Roma against Torino before and after a half fit Dybala came in was it was light and day. It was uh, you, the turnaround was unbelievable. Roma went from being an absolutely horrifically disjointed team that were creating nothing, that had no idea, to all of a sudden Dybala just totally changed the game. He almost scored straight after he won the penalty. He hit the bar before Matic equalised it. He was involved in everything. I mean, he made such a difference when he came on. Um, but, I mean, what, what, I mean, is this, is this just same old Mourinho that we've seen the beginning of the end? No, I understand. No, I understand why he's upset. Because if you look at the stats and if you look at the chances they create, and they simply can't score. Well, if you don't convert, sooner or later, you're going to drop points. You're going to lose games. And he's pissed off because he he looks at that and goes, well, this is down to individual incompetence, like Belotti missing a penalty. Um, and, and Tammy Abraham, you know, being 
being the champion of missed chances. So, you know, he's he's built around these players and, and the confidence he's put in them is, is not paying off. Um, I don't think I can criticize him for anything except, you know, uh, criticize him for 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 any of these uh, these defeats, except for you know the, the the derby game where I thought they were dreadful. But other than that, they are creating. They're creating chances. Uh, can't I, I think I don't. I I think that was the case. I think that was the case at the start of the season, but not in the last month or so. Not since Dybala got injured. Well, it's certainly, uh, yeah, I, I see your point. And, I think until Dybala of... got injured, I mean, uh, I mean, if you look at them in the derby, they created absolutely nothing. Yeah, well, that's they, they, that's they, the outline, they, right? they, they, they were dreadful against Sassuolo uh, last week. They barely created anything. Um, the Verona game they won comfortably, but that was compromised obviously by the red card. Uh, you know, against uh, Napoli, they created nothing at all. Um, you know, the so you know since Dybala got injured, since it's kind of like the middle of October. They've, they've been bad. They haven't been, they've stopped creating. At the beginning of the season, they were creating lots. And they were underscoring their XG and Tammy Abraham was missing open goals and, and, and you know, Zaniolo has been bad all, all throughout the season. But um, I think that, yeah, they, have, they haven't been good in the last month. And I think that that has, Mourinho has been getting to Mourinho. Uh, he's frustrated. And, you know, well, this is what, now that's what I meant. That they were that's looking good for the top four. And now they're, now they're, 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 they're you know, they're, you know, they, they face a and, fight if they want to try yeah. to get in that top four. No, they're not going to finish in the top four. And I said it before the season because I don't think they're qualitatively good enough compared to the other teams who are in the top four, which is Napoli, Milan, Inter and Juve. But look, it's it's um, I understand his frustration because, as I said, barring excluding the Lazio game where they were dreadful, and I agree with you, it's been kind of the effect has been wearing off because they've not been you know, rewarded for the chances they've created. But I think it's more down to individual error. I don't know what the hell Belotti is doing. He's been absolutely unwatchable since joining Roma. That's that's one of the worst penalties I think I've ever seen. Um, and and they keep hitting the woodwork and, and all this stuff. And, and it's like, I get that he's pissed off. I get that he's frustrated. I get that he's annoyed. And he's every right to be annoyed. Um, but this is not the way to go about it. He's taking... I mean, he's taking a nuclear bomb to his own house. Uh, that, that's what he's doing. And last time, last season, when he started doing these things, he got a reaction out of them. I wonder if he will now. Um, luckily for him, it's got, there's a two-month break, and then they will have to, they will have to invest in the summer. Mm. He doesn't have um, to see Karsdorp again. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. 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 He okay. Let's, let's, we have to move on. So I'll just go through the rest of the Serie A matches. Uh, Empoli 2, Cremonese 0, Sampdoria 0, Lecce 2. That might be the end of it for Stankovic already. Um, Bologna 3, Sassuolo 0. Verona 1. Yeah, Arnautovic again. Uh, Verona 1, Spezia 2. That may also be the end of Bocchetti. A really horrible uh, injury in that for Drakowski. Broke his yeah. ankle out of the Poland World Cup squad. So that's a shame for him. Uh, and then Monza, three, Salerni, Tana, Neil, and ridiculously again, we're seeing rumours that Nicola... Nicol- I don't understand uh, what Iervolino is thinking. Davide Nicola uh, has... Is, I mean, it's it's stupid. What were they expecting? Did he, did he think he was going to compete for a Champions League spot? Like, what are you expecting mm, to do? It's so... Yeah. And it annoys me, what these rumours. It really does. I know. Me too. Um, okay, Um just just a quick, quick word. It's not really Serie A related, but it's all anyone's talking about right now. So uh, I just want to get your comment on this. So Ronaldo, <laughs> Piers Morgan interview. 
Um, <laughs> what is your what's your reaction to to what we see? Well, I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo wants to make wants to make headlines, and, and that he does. He essentially has made himself persona non grata at United. He, I think that that is without a doubt. You can't. He, there's no return back for him to United after that interview. After saying those things, his daughter being, you know, his daughter being ill and people not caring about it, and the club being at a worse off when it was when he left, and Sir Alex Ferguson understands it, and blah 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 blah. Yikes! Yikes! Mm. I mean, yeah. That's is it. he the biggest? Is he the biggest narcissist in the history of football? No, I think he has to be. No, no, I don't think so. I think who's the bigger he narcissist? He loves himself. Name me a bigger narcissist. Him. Name what? me a bigger narcissist than Ronaldo in the history of football. I can't name one. I cannot name one than Ronaldo. <laughs> well, it's all I mean, about I him. Think... Everything is about him. Well, you can argue that Zlatan is a narcissist as well. I mean, you can argue that. Uh, Zidane was a narcissist as well because the I mean you you can argue Lothar Mateus was a narcissist. I mean they all have egos. You don't reach this level of football, uh, this level without having a big ego. Um, mm. I think I just think that the reason why he did what he did is he knows what he's doing. He wants out of United and he wanted to be honest about it at, uh, and save face. And so he decided to to go off and he would decide and he decided to go off and, and burn the house down and com- not just burn the bridge with United nuke it, nuke it back into oblivion. Um, <laughs> and there's no, there's no coming back from this. Um, I've read, I've read quotes of it and it's just like, it's, ast- I mean, wow. And he decides to do it with Pierce Morgan, knowing full well, because Pierce Morgan is basically a fanboy, a Ronaldo yeah. fanboy. So he's not going to be the getting pushed back. The biggest psychophant there's ever been. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a psychophantic, that's the most psychophantic interview that I think I've ever seen. Um, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it might I think Pierce Morgan mad- needed it because he needed it to save his channel because his channel is yeah. like getting, well, a, I mean, no, I but we yeah, get, yeah, we get, we get more listeners on our podcast than, than, than Piers Morgan. I'm being serious. That's how few, yeah. few, you know, it's yeah. like look, a few it's, hundred. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's not just that. It's also the fact that he, no, I mean, the, the fact that it's, it's, um, the the sycophant the sycophantic side of it is 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 particularly poignant, interesting because it's um you know. Piers Morgan is 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 a fanboy of Ronaldo. We know that. I mean, the previous interview I saw with him, Piers Morgan was praising how beautiful abs Cristiano Ronaldo had, and so on. Mm. So it's it is what it is. But it's um it's it's quite interesting going into the World Cup that he decides to do that. I think this is because he knows that this is last you know big stage hurrah, and he's going out with a bang. I don't think it's mm. very good for United, but I've seen that some United fans are on his side and think he did the right thing because he confirmed everything that they've been saying is wrong with the club. Other United fans said, well, look, you know, you shouldn't, there's a different way to handle that. Um, and he's just doing it to save, save his face. I think both points are valid and I think both are true. Okay. Right. Just before we finish off um, with Badger and Prem face of the week, um, just Italy squad, uh, obviously, we will have, as we said before, we'll have a proper World Cup preview on Thursday, previewing the, the World Cup tournament but also many uh, Italy related issues um, um, dealing with that uh, and Serie A issues because there's a lot of Serie A players at at the World Cup Um, but Italy are playing twice this week in in friendlies against Albania uh, and against Austria um, as a kind of a last test before the European Championship qualifiers start 
in in March against uh, against England, the first one, isn't it? I think. Um, so this is their squad: Donnarumma, Meret, Ivan Provadel, Vicario, goalkeepers, defenders: Acerbi, Bastoni, Bonucci, Di Lorenzo, Di Marco, Gatti, Mazzocchi, Scalvini, and Fabiano Parisi's a late call up for the injury to Toloi. Uh, Barella, Cristanti, Fagioli, Fratesi, Miretti, Pessina, Ricci, Tonali, Verratti, midfielders and forwards: Chiesa is back. Nionto, Grifo, Pafundi, young 16-year-old, hasn't even played for Udinese this year. Politano, Raspadori, Schiamacca and Zaniolo. Um, so, I mean, I think it's good that there's 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 a few youngsters in here um, that you can take a look at, which I think is good. Um, I like that he's called up the likes of Scalvini, Parisi, uh, Fagioli, uh, Fratesi, Miretti, Ricci, uh, Nionto... Um, even Pafundi, just to take a look at him, I think that's good. Uh, you know, we've seen we've seen more youngsters this time than we saw last time, and I think that's a good thing. Um, I'm a bit disappointed he's called up Chiesa. I'd rather him not being called up, um, but hopefully, he'll, at most, he'll get just like a sub appearance or one, maybe one sub appearance or something, maybe uh, at most. But what's your quick view on this? Are you pleased with with this call up? Um, yeah, I mean, it's nice to see Chiesa back, of course. Um, Vincenzo Grifo scored a hat-trick on the weekend. That's going to be interesting. Um, it's nice to see, um, it's, no, I I think everyone that should be there is is there. I, I don't, I don't, since it's a friendly, I don't want him to start any of the starters. I want him to play maybe Vicario. I want him to start, I I want him to play Mazzocchi. I, I, I really want him to rotate here. I want him to give... Nyonto again, play Grifo, Nyonto, Pafundi. Do you know what I mean? Like all these players, because, you know, there's no Parisi. Like I'd rather he do that because he knows, you know, Bastoni, Acerbi and Di Lorenzo, we know what they do. Like, do you know what I mean? Like we, mm. I'd rather see Miretti, Ricci. Mm. You know, these are the players I would play because this is a meaningless game. These are friendlies. Who cares how they go? You know, test, mm. test the waters a little bit. Mm. Yeah, no, agreed. Okay, right. To finish off with then, Baggio and Prem Face of the Week. Okay, do you have a Baggio? Uh, for me, Elmas, uh, his his goal against Udinese was stunning. And Edin Dzeko's goal against Bologna uh, midweek, mm. Zidane goal, was just since last we recorded last Monday. That's that's worthy of Baggio's. Yeah, I'm going to go Dzeko. I'm going to go yeah. Jekko, I think, for the, he scored in both games. And yeah, absolutely fantastic goal. Prem face of the week. Not really Jamie a Prem face. Carragher. Jamie Carragher. I'm sorry. Jamie what Carragher. What have you done now? Well, I sent it to you, if you remember, five days ago um, off, on Twitter. Someone said, uh, when he, he he published his England World Cup squad on Twitter, oh, he yeah. didn't have Tomori. <laughs> and someone said, replied to him, you know that lad playing at centre-back in the Champions League knockout stages, Italian champions? Yeah, bin him off for some yard dog from St. Helens. To which Jamie Carragher replies, the same fella, not fellow, fella, oh, who was yeah. all over the place against Chelsea twice. Yeah, I'm not taking him. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the most disgusting thing I've I've seen come out of Jamie Carragher's mouth since he spat at that little kid. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't know about that that until you told me, and I saw it. I just, I, I can't believe yeah. that. I still can't believe it. No, no. 
Okay, right. That's all we have time for. Well, no, today. Yeah, 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 we we have to mention the preface of the of the 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 the, the chief prosecutor of the Italian right. FA who's been arrested together to together with another 40, 50, 60 people to have been part of a of a drug smuggling ring bringing marijuana and hashish into Milan. <laughs> yeah it's... solo in italia like it's no. one of the it literally is one of the most italian football things ever they one of the lead one of the main directors in 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 italian football and for the refereeing for the italian refereeing association is is named in a drug smuggling ring it explains it explains explains a lot nima uh, let's just say that <laughs> <laughs> it's just absolutely bizarre and and yeah. pure comedy. I'm sorry, but it is. It's beyond comedy. No, no, it is. But it let me remember, you know, innocent. Yeah, but he. Yeah, but let's remember, innocent until proven guilty, and all that stuff. So it's it's. it's oh an right, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know, he's not been convicted, but when I saw that, I was like, "All righty then." <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. You can join Biden Moreno in jail, but well, maybe Biden <laughs> or Biden Moreno's out of jail now. Actually. Yeah, he's out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Byron Marina can go and visit him. All right. Okay, that's all we have time for today. Thank you, everyone, for, for tuning in. We will be back on Tuesday for our Q&A episode where we take questions, answer questions from all of our patrons. Uh, and then on Thursday, we will have um, our uh, special uh, World Cup preview episode, plus, plus a lot more uh, review in Italy's midweek game as well. So they play against Albania on Wednesday evening. Uh, and yeah, plenty, plenty, plenty more to come. We're going to be very busy during the World Cup. We've got lots of shows. We've already booked up a couple of big interviews as well during the break, which I'm sure you will love. Um, so um, plenty, plenty to come. We're not stopping during, even though Italy are not in the World Cup. Um, we will still be very, very active. Okay, thank us again. Uh, we'll see you next time. Ciao, ciao.